I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey, this is Justin. You're listening to my dad on Rebel Radio. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh-huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to another episode of Rebel Radio. I'm your host, Josh Levine. My guest today is Zen Freeman. Uh, This dude is a a great DJ with an amazing career. He does private corporate events for folks like Cartier, Louis Trez, Cognac, Master and Dynamic Headphones. He does clubs all over the world, including the XS in Vegas. He plays festivals. Um, he, he's just got a. He's, he's everywhere, and he's now starting his own festival next month, uh, or here at the end of June. The RHA Festival in Puerto Vallarta looks like a beautiful setting and an amazing lineup of uh, great house music. I would definitely be there if I wasn't uh, going to be traveling Europe at that time. But you should get there. You should go to rhafestival.com and uh, check out the lineup. It's uh, Green Velvet, Dimitri from Paris, a bunch of great acts. Um, Get some tickets, get there, and let us know how it is. But first, uh, let's get into our interview with Zen Freeman right after the EDM.com track of the week. Eternity 
And I feel like my heart is suffocating in this atmosphere The only thing I can say Alright, that was Exhale and Tiga with some type of way, your EDM.com track of the week. And now let's hear from Zen Freeman. Well, let's learn about it. I'm excited. Anyway, I'm excited to dig into all of it. But so I always like to start at the beginning. Um, tell me about, do you remember the first record you ever bought? Uh, <clears throat> I start, definitely started DJing off someone else's collection. Uh, yeah. The person beat my mom. Yeah. And that was like going around the house and finding old record players. And then there was one old one. And then one I think I kind of got from my, from my brother's room and started trying to wire them, you know, belt mm -hmm. driven decks. Mm -hmm. um, so I just started DJing off um, Beatles songs and uh, trying to mix like Beatles with Bob Marley and basically yeah. Rolling Stones, anything I could find that. And I used to just kind of pick them because I liked the look of the, sure. you know, the album. Just cover. at home. Yeah, just at home. And then I kind of stash, you know, slowly like get kind of build my own collection that basically I didn't have any money at all. Yeah. So it would just be like hoping that they wouldn't, you know, Sal, where's my room? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. trying to keep it in my room as soon as possible. Of and course, then, yeah. Um, um, the first record I think I bought, honestly, was like an, was an 80, it was um, Adamant. <laughs> deliver or something yeah, crazy sure. like that and then yeah. a michael jackson song um you know and then it was like the mixing and stuff that i was i was just really interested in the technology and the science of doing yeah. everything and who and, uh who first introduced you to dj um well i i technically i think i was just about to turn 15 or probably still yeah 14 years old and I got hold of Gemini belt drive mm -hmm. turntables, mm -hmm. two-channel Gemini mixer. Yeah. Um, and that was inspired by Pete Tong yeah. on the radio, yeah. you know. Um, and then when I was 15, I think my main inspiration was like a cross between Paul Oakenfold, who mm -hmm. was like kind of like the first pop. Sure. To, you know, played Wembley Stadium and did the whole, you know. Yeah. Um, Pete Tong and then when I was 15 I had a fake ID so I could get into a club where Sasha was a resident mm. um, and that was my real like kind of inspiration for sure you know for for wanting to be a DJ I mean those are pretty amazing mentors to, yeah. to start out yeah. with and you it's, it's you don't realize how lucky you are growing yeah. up in you know in England because yeah. that we're gonna do is like talk someone into driving you to the club you know? <laughs> when you're 15 years old you can do anything you want yeah Absolutely. Um, and, and so was that, were you, like, dance music was obviously so, um, it was everywhere over there. It was yeah. here at the time, it was very yeah. much underground. So were you instantly 
Were you just like a dance music fan from the beginning? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was totally hooked. Um, um, <clears throat> for me growing up, I was very social. Um, sports were one of the most important things, but I think when I got to about 15, I started to realize that probably wasn't going to become a professional soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> or um, So, yeah, I kind of became this, like, vinyl junkie, and I would, um, when I was, you know, like 12, 13, 14, I would record Pete Tong's show yeah um definitely when i was 15 i would record the show anyway because i was probably out on a friday night mm -hmm. um and i would record it and like make lists of all the songs they was playing and the ones that i liked and then i would have like an in with the guy at the record store so every saturday morning i would get in and i would have like a little pile of records that were already put aside for me yeah and they were like test pressings and you know and like sure. good stuff that yeah i mean literally like i was lucky that i was getting some of the stuff that sasha was playing on Friday night at Shelley's in mm -hmm. Stoke-on-Trent. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was getting hold of the song, you know, the record, thinking, yes, that's it, you know, that's the one. Um, and that's a really interesting thing because I used to get, you know, I used to, like, make mixtapes and play, you know, house parties back yeah. then. Um, and it was totally your sound, you know? No Do one could... Yeah, you sure. Know? It was, like, uh, inspired by, back then, you know, Dave Seaman and mm -hmm. Pete Tong and Paul Oakenfold and Sasha and Digweed and mm -hmm. but it was quite hard for you know out of your whole crew, no one else could recreate that sound. Sure, yeah, unless they stole your records. <laughs> yeah, sure. Which I think now is a lot easier to do, right? Yeah, uh, you yeah. Could, you could yeah, Shazam somebody's yeah, set and yeah. download everything and play it tomorrow, right? Yeah, I mean, just share music sharing, digital music. Yeah. But yeah, back then I and you know I've talked to a bunch of DJs that you know people used to hide their records, the labels, or they would yeah you know there was this this constant hunt for. for well, it was just about being you know back then it was about being a collector and it was yeah. building hype and you know yeah. they would you would you know even a big song would come out originally you know DJ promo only. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. It would be this whole kind of you yeah. know, strategy into um, you know building hype on this thing, and now it's just. When you look at, you know, a, a big song that comes out on on a, you know, I'm luckily I'm invited to all these kind of DJ pools and mm -hmm. promo pools with mm -hmm. bigger labels. But when you look on the 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 blogs and the like, the DJ pools where you can actually you just pay a fee and you can download. Yeah, they're getting them the same day, if sure. not the yeah, day yeah. before. You know. Yeah. So there's not really a lot of like anticipation or hype when it comes to like getting you know it's quite it's that you know you've almost got to make it if you want to play it first you got to kind of make it yourself or sure. know the person who's making it yeah which is what people are doing right yeah. And yeah. yourself included yeah 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 what was the first gig you played um well the first ever gig that i got paid i was 15 and it was the big it was uh, at the time i was living at my mum's house in leicestershire and I got a gig at this club called Flaming Colossus. And it was a big club. And like, you know, you know, they would get occasionally they would get like a Paul Oakenfold and mm -hmm. um and I just had a good two hour opening slot there. And I think I got paid fifty pounds to do it. Which I very quickly put back into the vinyl. Sure, of course. <laughs> times five. Yeah. And then kind of and then always just at that, you know, I was really into fashion at the time and you know, college and yeah. sports and blah, blah, blah. It kind of, you know, and it was a really quite, became quite an expensive hobby. Uh, yeah. 
Um, and then cut to, I played, a, I played a few gigs in Tokyo when I was kind of traveling and I played a lot of gigs in Sydney. Mm -hmm. And that uh, inspired me a lot because um, 16, 17 years ago when I was living in Sydney, there was the, that was like the birth of that whole, like, all, I met the guy, you know, like guys who became Panau. sun and yeah that cool sexy like electro yeah. and you know so we were i was kind of playing you know i was out there kind of as a like a kind of working there as a model and djing mm -hmm. in clubs a bit at night and throwing my own little parties and stuff but it was a really really great scene <clears throat> then i came to la um with a i went to london moved back moved to la um and just kind of you know um i met um I met Adam Goldstein, I met, mm -hmm. you know, Adam Braven, mm -hmm. became quite good friends with all those guys and just was like, wow, man, what these guys, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. But it just was completely, like completely foreign to me. So um, how was it like? My, my, my first actual paid gig in LA was, um, was for Red Bull. And then I did a couple of things on my own. It was actually, a, um, it was DJing at Tokyo the mm -hmm. plate, you know, like the yeah, Japanese on, on, on Kwanga. Yeah. Um, it went from there to doing a July 4th party myself that I did with Pantera Sara. Cool. Um, and then Red Bull, like the music, asked me to do something else. And then they asked me to do a Weinstein oh, party. Nice. Yeah. It was actually paid quite, you know, paid quite well. I dressed sure. up in a suit. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and kind of very quickly it, it kind of went from there. Yeah. Is it... Um so coming from from London, obviously you went you know through Australia, but but you know the DJ scene. How, how did the DJ scene compare in London to when you got here? Completely different. It was almost as if like <clears throat> in my you know not in my head because I was so involved in music and fashion and um, probably wasn't as big, but it was almost as if like it is now. You know, it's kind of yeah. I, it, you know, in the nineties, it just boomed. It was like the it was called house music, but right. you know, basically the same thing that kind of happened here. And then, mm -hmm. and then I grew up being, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, being real, you know, really dedicated and into like club culture and traveling the, you know, the country, not just the, you know, not yeah. just going down to London and, you know, going to a decent club, going up north. Um, and then it kind of all this, you know, this genre splinter came out and then all, all of a sudden it's like, you know, people wanted, the, they wanted dubstep and they wanted, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of almost what happened here, but just here to a much more yeah. bigger level. And I think sure. maybe it's just because of the, you know, the social media and the technology, it just blew up a lot bigger. You know, now it's a lot more. When you look at, when you go to EDC and you look at, you know, almost like a hundred meters of LED wall with all these high definition, yeah. you know, and. Yeah. kids on whatever they're taking these days you know yeah um i kind of went through the whole underground thing and just saw it explode hey check this out this week 
and really all summer long, Rebel Radio is brought to you by Blue Apron. Uh, we've been using it for the last month or so, and we love it. By we, I mean Christy has been cooking up some of the great recipes delivered by Blue Apron while I've been uh, sitting there on the couch doing nothing. It's easy. It takes her 40 minutes or less. I sit there with a stopwatch and timer, and um, the food's been great. The uh, recipes are really flexible. We haven't had the same meal twice. Christy is allergic to shrimp, so we selected no seafood, and whoop-de-whoop, it all works out. Um, if you don't know Blue Apron, it's the number one fresh ingredient and delivery service, recipe delivery service. So they're, they're giving you the recipes and the food to make it. Everything is portioned out, pre-prepared. All you got to do is um, chop it up and cook it and eat it. I do the eating part. Uh, basically, they're making, scratch that. They're making incredible home cooking accessible to anyone, even you. Check out this week's menu and you'll get your first three meals for free with free shipping just because you listen to Rebel Radio by going to blueapron.com rebel. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. Don't wait. Do it now. That's blueapron.com rebel. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. So... When I, um, Tokyo, I kind of played a few gigs. It wasn't really, you know, I was busy working there. Sydney, I had a bit more time to kind of really take in the music. And and there was just, you know, like there was such cool music out there. Mm-hmm. So when I came to L.A., I was actually quite shocked, you know. Right. Quite, quite yeah. you know, didn't really, get, kind of gave up overnight. Sure. It was like, it's almost like heard a, you know, heard AM play one night and just heard him destroy, yeah. kill it, this place. I'm just like... You know, I almost like bow. It's like <laughs> over to you. You know, take it away. Like sure. it's just something that I can't do. And then um, eventually, you know, just kind of uh, was obviously. I used to go to Amoeba and buy mm-hmm. a couple of records here and there, and had enough to play. Then I think, you know, obviously I had some Technics in like the spare room. Mm-hmm. My wife. Um, it was still just a hobby. And then I think when my wife was. Um, <clears throat> I guess we were like get, getting engaged, thinking about having kids, and you know, and then it's kind of strangely enough, like it's almost like when my when my kind of DJ career in LA took off again. Yeah. Was it? Um, I mean, now you know your resume. Like, we, we could spend the whole hour just reading the <laughs> all the great clubs and festivals and brands that you work with, and like, I mean, uh, but. I guess the question is, did it did it jump off for you kind of right away and easily, or were there moments at the beginning where you're like struggling to break through, and and did you ever think you were giving up? Um, well, I think the easiest part of um, doing what I do is that I kind of never really started doing it for a career. I kind of um, when. Uh, you know, in Sydney, I kind of had a, you know, a, sec, uh, you know, um, it was more of a secondary income. Yeah. When I moved to, um, when I moved to Hollywood, I kind of had, you know, all these aspirations to do different things. And same, it was like DJing was almost like still a hobby. Yeah. So it kind of made it easy, you know, and it was always quite, you know, it never really felt like work. Was there a moment where you sort of realized, like, oh shit, this is my career? Um, well. What was I do at the time? I'd kind of done. I'd done a little bit of like, I'd moved here, did a couple of like. I actually came here to do a, a modeling campaign for this mm. 
this brand in the UK called Mulberry. Okay. Um, and uh, and I came here and I started working in. I, I'm I started doing a little bit of modeling, a little bit of acting, and then um, um, <clears throat> yeah, I was always like busy doing stuff, you know, doing I don't know. I even got at one point I got a job at Ron Herman. Mm. Um, just to you know make a bit of extra cash and stuff in there. Sure. Um, and I think just when I I looked at what this is so long ago, you know, I mean, yeah. this is like literally at the time it was like Mark Ronson had kind of left the scene a little bit back to New York. Sam Ronson was very much a part of the scene. Yeah. Um, and there was, you know, there was Adam Twelve and and um, AM. Mm-hmm. And they were all kind of, they all had their kind of niche in a way. But <clears throat> there was one thing that I always thought it wasn't, it was kind of like, sometimes there was these Oscar after parties where I, I'd show up in a, in a, you know, in a skinny suit, skinny tie back then. Yeah. Just, I, I wasn't really playing music for people to dance to. I was just playing like really right. cool atmosphere music. And yeah. it was making people, you know, and I was mixing the songs progressively as I was taught to play house, like mm-hmm. from, you know, I was just, instead of like a house DJ starts at 120, finishes at 130, I was going right. into a room and playing music, like really pretty music at, you know, at, at 85 beats per minute uh-huh. and then mixing another one at 86 beats per minute in the same key and then doing these relative key changes and yeah. mixing the odd acapella on a lot, you know, and then pl- like ca- kind of playing like what be- what was to me was known as like early doors, like Balearic music from Ibiza, mm-hmm. but with vocals and doing all these kind of, and it was just something that at the time I think was, you know, I, I, ju- I was just doing it because I was having fun doing it, but it kind of was, you know, like a, I feel like a kind of pioneered you know, was you know, I'm, yeah. I made it kind of nice and easy for people to listen to, and I think some of the other guys who were definitely like, you know, there was kind of more the American style of scrap, you know, mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. know, battle style. Yeah, I just thought it was a better fit for what I was doing at the time. So yeah. and I, you know, and I all of a sudden, like, very quickly went from doing my own night at Tokyo, playing a couple of film festival parties to like being like, you know, like literally over like the space of a summer, I was all of a sudden doing. Toronto Film Festival, Sundance Film Festival, Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. Being flown around by like billionaire guys and doing like yacht parties in St. Bart's and sure. And, and then I was like, holy shit, you know, and I literally like kind of cut off. Um I'd been working for <clears throat> Jeffrey Best mm-hmm. at Best Events, doing mm-hmm. production on some big events who um I have a lot to thank. You know, he he really did kind of in a short amount of time was a quite a big mentor in my life. Um What'd you learn um, from Jeffrey? Just about uh, I mean, just I think more business and you know the production side and like how mm-hmm. to bi- you know building decks and building you know uh, I think meeting a lot of the get just how he deals with brands and clients and things I think was a you know um, when I started DJing he actually really liked what I was doing and put me on the books as like the best events DJ as well that was a yeah. big step up as well yeah. Um, and thanks to you know, thanks to half a dozen um, uh, event producers like that, it kind of de- you know springboarded my mm-hmm. DJ career quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just right time, right place. And I think I was you know at the time like I'd kind of been a model and I'd worked in fashion, and it was quite easy for me to go and like DJ for Gucci and you know, um, sure. 
so yeah, it was good. I was really, you know, but you know, right time, right place. I think a little moderate amount of talent. I'm just okay. kidding. <laughs> um, and just doing something at the time that people weren't really doing. People weren't really DJing music um, at events and clubs that you actually listen to in your car, right. you know, or yeah. at home when you're chilling out, or yeah. you know, it was more. It was all like kind of floor fillers, mash up, you know. Sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm fascinated with the like the corporate DJ thing, right? And, you know, I have a few friends that have, have made great careers doing, you know, those kind of gigs. And then, you know, a lot of guys that beat up the clubs every night. And I love the fact that, you know, you've sort of played both sides of that. Um, but I wonder, like, how how is it different? And how do you, like... Let me find the question. But, like, I, th I think, you know, if you're trying to make your way through the clubs, right, it's like you, you slog it out and you, and you build your name little by little and you build your following on social or your email list or whatever and you get slightly bigger and bigger club gigs and you try to get a festival. Like, I kind of get that path. So tell me about the, the corporate side. Like, how do you build that? Um, <clears throat> Yeah, well, I think firstly, I kind of almost have these like two different personalities. Even when um, when I when I tour and <clears throat> when I DJ in nightclubs, I never take my laptop to a festival or to a club. I take three USB sticks. Yeah, the set is in my head. There's you know ten or twelve lanes that I can take the set down. Um, kind of early doors, mid you know mid mm -hmm. to high tempo and I and I um, put the set together using Pioneer Record Box and mm -hmm. I use as many Pioneer CDJs as they you know the client will rent for me basically yeah. Yeah. Um, or as many you know as many as there are channels on the mixer um, when I do events it's um, I you know I take a big I take a sound card and a terabyte of music on a laptop and um, and I think it's just more about them than it is you you yeah. know they want someone who's uh, I've always been, you know, I'm not, you know, I like to have a drink, but I'm not, you know, not at an, at an event. Sure. You know, of I want a couple of glasses of champagne Working. just to, you know, just yeah. to, you know, you know, feel like the, you know, the crowd, I guess. But I think it's more just rapport with the client and they want someone who's reliable, who's, you know, who's on time. And sometimes, I mean, I've, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I've done, yeah, I guess, I don't know hundreds and hundreds of the things now yeah there's so many you know i i got i was in aspen the other day and i got to do a sound check at 6 30 at night i was supposed to come on at 10 and the client just said you know the event planner help the, the client hates the music that's playing in the restaurant now can you you know can you come on now and it's like yeah. i played six hours or seven wow. hours or something you know? yeah Hey, if you're loving this episode with Zen, uh, go back to the archives, check out my interview with DJ Adam12, one of my favorite DJs, and, and Zen calls him the, the, the connoisseur of music for LA, and um, it's a great interview. So go back on iTunes or SoundCloud and find the interview with Adam12 after you finish up here with Zen Freeman. Um, I walked into a gig <clears throat> for big, you know, big, corporation and I walked in and the client said 
oh, you know, it's an 80s party, <laughs> you know? And yeah. That, you know, and that was actually when Serato was kind of newish as well. Mm. And I, you know, and I Did remember then, I think I still, I used to carry like a box of records. Sure. And a laptop as well, yeah. just for the transition, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. when we were all still on Technics and you could yeah. flick on and off. So, you know, I, I guess, um, you know, being, what's the word, you know, being open for, you know, creative input from your client, I think has a lot to do with it. And yeah. um, very much as an, as a DJ and an artist, you know, I would, I never play my own music at corporate gigs. It just doesn't right. work. Sure. You know, I always play at least four or five of my tracks when I play at Excess in Vegas. Or, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, other times, you know, sometimes if it's a festival, then I'll play like, you know, 12 of mine and four of right. someone else's. And, yeah. you know, yeah, so it, just yeah it seems like it's just a different thing. And, I, you know, I talk to a lot of guys. I think it comes down to sort of your your mission statement, if you will. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, I have great friends who are great DJs that, that, you know, they just want to play what they want to play. And yeah. they want to share that with the world, and that's kind of why they do it. Yeah. You know, I think Adam 12 is a great example of that. Like, he, Yeah. I mean, he, I know he does some, some corporates. Adam's kind of like the connoisseur, isn't he? The L.A. connoisseur of music, you know? Yeah, he's, he's kind of like, come come here, what's in my head. Yeah. And, and if you're a guy like me, like, that works, because I love what's in his head. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you have other people that are sort of like, they just have a different approach to it. And yeah. so, uh, no, I mean, like, some people, like, they're very much they aim to please. Or a lot of the radio guys that I know, like, they have a lot less freedom in what they get to play. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they're okay, and you got to be okay with that. Yeah. And, um, I mean, a lot of it is where you source your music from. And, you know, like, yeah. you know, I love Matthew Shry is a good example because um, he gets all, he get he's, he spends so much time digging, you know, and we do a music swap sometimes, and he sends me great stuff, and it's so ahead of the curve. Is that right? But then for him, it's like his world, you know, then he could be put in a situation where he's he, he has to play commercial. Yeah. And what in his head is commercial is not commercial to, yeah, the, you know. Of to, course. You know, course. so it's tough, you know, it's, you know. So with saying that, I mean, and you come from the era where you had to dig for records and get to the store and, you know, all that. So what's the last record that got you really excited? Um, oh, I'm kind of like a weird old disco head. So I, yeah. and I just find, and that's my one thing. I just like I'm, old disco, new disco, all of both. It? Yeah, both. Me too. Um, um, lot, I, I actually went to, I saw Harvey at Rumors mm. play and I got really inspired by some of the stuff that he played and kind of went on this mission. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he was playing some like minimal eighties, like new wave, minimum deep stuff. I don't know. It was and that kind of, and it's amazing how much stuff is like completely undiscovered, you know, like yeah. you can look on, you can kind of find it on iTunes where you have to go to maybe Beatport or mm -hmm. uh, Phonica and Piccadilly Records and these cool mm -hmm. things. But some of these songs, they're great songs and they just have like no ratings, no downloads, yeah. no, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me at the moment, the kind of obscurity kind of gets me a bit more excited just because you know yeah sometimes i hear you know a really cool you know kygo track or something or but <laughs> second you download it then yeah. you turn on the radio and you turn this and you go to the club and you know absolutely um i think yeah i was listening to uh kiss fm on the car here and i think they played the same song <laughs> three times in sure. 30 minutes you know, yeah on the absolutely yeah and that's 
that's that's the way that so there's only getting more of that yeah yeah um but you know it's it's actually amazing how long it still takes to dig the music because was so much more of it before there was more um there was a target Mm -hmm. you know and you found that target and you could just milk it and everything you know you could milk it for everything it's worth but now it's just everything so spread thin sure you know and it's like any kid can make a song on a laptop right you know and they and now it's like it's almost found it you can't yeah it's hard to discover new music because there's just so much of it you know absolutely absolutely Um, and i think you know it was um it was a lot easier to kind of stick within the genre rules yeah until recently right that that, and i you know i know that you know great djs have always kind of broken those rules but but you could kind of make the job easier by just saying like i'm going to stay in this section of the store or the yeah or the site or whatever yeah and now, like that seems plus artists all target world. different genres for sales now yeah. as well. So you know, sure. you can only put out you know, it, you know, if you look at Beatport as well, like they constantly, the genres are changing so much. Yeah. You know, when you, you know, it's like what we were progressive house in the UK is known as is very oh, different to it's what totally different. You know, and I think they figured that one. You know, like for a long time, Beatport had big room was progressive house, right. and then they figured finally kind of. Figured it out, you know. But, yeah, um, yeah. Or deep house, like. Yeah. I talked to my friends who are in their twenties who they talk about deep house and it's like not what it's yeah. not what I think of as deep yeah. house. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Um, you know, a lot of DJs talk about reading the room, and and then that that's this sort of like mystical skill to be able to pick up what's coming back from you, yeah. for, uh, you know, from the crowd. So, how do you do that? Given that you you play so many different kinds of rooms, right? That you know, yeah, how, do you, how does um, that work out? A, um, a lot of it is kind of organization, to be honest. I mean, I'm considered versatile DJ because, um, you know, I, I, I was doing, um, let's go, I mean, say, for example, Vegas. You know, mm. it's like I, I, you know, I started when Oakenfold, Paul Oakenfold convinced the Palms into doing you know, AM did the Friday night and yeah. Z Trip was his guest and it was killing it, you know, fire machine. So um Paul Oakenfold went in <clears throat> on a Saturday night. And I was there from the very beginning um, and just smashed it. We, you know, he had Cirque du Soleil performers and the Fire yeah. Machine. And I think his guests were Armin Van Buren and Benny Benassi and Marcus Schultz. And like the whole, tra- he brought the trance world into Vegas for the first time. Which was a big pioneer move, Absolutely. such as he did in Ibiza as well, you know, in the, yeah. in the late 80s. Um, so, so I kind of went from, for just an example, for Vegas, I went from the Palms to Marquis to... And then I went on jump ship and went to work with Calvin Harris when he went over to Hakkasan and mm-hmm. Wet Republic and then Excess. So this is just a long, you know, I feel like such a great story. I've seen Vegas go from like literally like on the EDM meter zero to, you know. Off the charts, yeah. Um, and it's for me, it's like it's very obvious what's going to happen. I've always been lucky, you know, I've always played in like a great room, great people, great mm-hmm. sound. 
I know exactly where I'm going to go, you know, and I'll have, you know, I confidently could walk in with a couple of hundred songs on a USB. There it's all about letting the production do itself, mm -hmm. taking WAV files, not using MP3 files, all the right. obvious stuff like that because it's a big room. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when I uh, play, you know, anything from like high profile weddings or fashion parties or it's just about, you know, being organized, being ready to kind of take risks. Um, doing mashups on the fly, you know, like mm -hmm. taking relative key songs and, mm -hmm. you know, and doing things that kind of get me excited and then that, I think that, you know, kind of, you know, go, you know, go relays onto the dance floor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is, you know, now it's like how you organize your music and having different, you know, having floor fillers ready, having more mm -hmm. obscure stuff, having, you know, obviously now you can even just, you know, having kind of playlists set where you've just got everything's done by tempo and key. Yeah. You know, I mean, mixed in key was a big game changer because yeah, yeah. basically uh, it almost allows you not to rehearse your sets. Sure. You know, and I haven't really rehearsed my sets for probably almost a decade now. Is that right? Pretty much, yeah. Um, um, because I know, you know, or maybe, but, you know, I don't know, seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. Now, um, if you scan everything through Pioneer software, you can, you'll know if the beats right. on the grid, yeah. if it's moving around, you can fix it. Um, yeah. You know, you, the, any kind of software reads iTunes. If you just keep everything kind of organized in iTunes, then mm -hmm. you can pretty much go wherever you want. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, I think before my, my laptop's up to a terabyte of pretty much of like singles. Sure. I had to dump all the albums a long time ago just to yeah. make room. Yeah. Um, so it's just, yeah, so now, you know, it's a little bit crazy. I'm not the most organized of people, but. Um, Sound pretty organized. Oh, hey. <laughs> um, and I, even things about looking at people's ages and looking what shoes they're wearing and looking yeah. how they style, you know, thinking, you know, like really, yeah, all the, the things that you think you try and be, you know, you try and read the crowd as well mm -hmm. as you possibly can, you know, mm -hmm. even just to see what, you know, what they're in the mood for as well a lot of the times. Like, you don't want to ever throw the kitchen sink at someone that just wants to right. talk about a film, a movie, and sip champagne, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, that that's, I mean, that's an amazing skill, I think, to be that uh, observant and to be able to, to react that quickly. Yeah, oh, thank you. Thank you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that was just, you know, being a shy, observant kid, you know, mm. kind of, you know, uh, um, yeah, it's weird how the thing, you know, that your influence is growing up and you don't really know how they're going to affect you as an adult. But sure. But yeah, I mean, definitely like being, you know, not being selfish and, you know, you know, thinking about thinking about your client having a great experience as opposed to you being like, party, woohoo, you know? Yeah, sure. What about um, does does. Does your experience as a DJ make you a better producer? Um, well, I think personally, I mean, there's, 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 you know, the obvious story is some you take a you take someone, you know, you take someone like Calvin Harris, basically, who made that amazing album on his laptop in his yeah. home studio, in, you know, in Dumfries, Scotland, and then. Um, um, all of a sudden, he's you know kind of a pop star. So he tried the band, Calvin yeah. Harris and the band, and I think at the time it was you know it's expensive to sure. So I love he, that record though. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean. um, so he kind of taught himself to DJ very quickly. First of all, he tried doing on Ableton, and I mm -hmm. think um, 
when the Pioneer um, 2000 range came through, the Nexus range came through, um, record box, you couldn't really beat it. So I think yeah. he learned how to DJ in order to tour, you know, mm -hmm. whereas, um, you know, a lot of guys, especially from LA, we were all, you know, I was always, a, you know, a vinyl DJ first. I kind of learned about, you know, the sounds and the, yeah. you know, and the, and the, you know, the basic fundamentals of DJing. Then I learned how to produce. Hey, check it out. We have a special promo for you this week. Uh, my friends over at Worlds, hopefully you heard the episode a couple weeks back with Roman Sunder, uh, who's the founder of Worlds. Worlds is a marketing summit and a year-round community of le leading global brands, startups, artists, creators, entrepreneurs. Um, it's happening at the end of July in Hollywood. And there's an amazing lineup of speakers. It's like Tony Robbins, Sean White, Kelly Slater, Gary Vee. I'm going to be there so uh, we can hang out together and get up on the latest of what's happening in marketing and culture and content and all that stuff. Uh, and because you're a listener of Rebel Radio, you can get $200 off. Go to worlds.us. That's W-O-R-L-D-Z dot U-S. Use the code Rebel Radio and you get $200 off. Uh, your registration. I'm sure it'll be worth your time, your energy, your money, and uh, you'll get to hang out with me. So what's better than that? Worlds.us, code Rebel Radio. I'll see you there. I think it's the difference is DJs are very much like instant gratification. Sure. People, you know, and like yeah. finding that mix. And whereas a producer <clears throat> is definitely, you know, it's delayed gratification. So, um, I think it all helps, you know. I mean, I think you're probably better off to like, you know, any advice out there for someone that wants to be a superstar, they should go to definitely go to music school, go Is to right? production school, learn yeah. those. Then I think the DJing maybe is probably would be an easier way to learn that, you know, mm -hmm. at a later stage. If your kids wanted to uh, to get into DJing, would you start them on vinyl? Um. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got. A pair of Technics that honestly aren't always out on yeah. the main, you know, on my main setup because um, I have four CDJs set up, but mm -hmm. um, they've played on them, you know, they've played on the Technics. And I think it's the best thing. I probably just the same as I, you know, when I really wanted to get like my mixing tight, I would just buy two copies of a record yeah. and just flawlessly kind of go in between the two and then start, you know, I would kind of make little marks and things like that but um yeah i mean i think it's the way to go for kids maybe yeah i just think i mean you know there's so much talk about technology the the negative side of technology and djing right that makes it maybe too easy for people without really learning the skill to just you know and it's and the same with music production right we there's a lot of i'm not making this up like there's a, there's a lot of that discussion I think what's so interesting what you're saying is um, it's just about how it can, for people that do have the skill, you can do so much more, right? That, that it, can, it can make the job easier or it can make it, you know, that much better. Yeah, yeah. Once you know what you're well, doing. I mean, going, learning how to DJ, I think there's all the, you know, I think to keep it, you know, when you, you want two channels on a mixer, you don't need four. Right, yeah. You want to learn about the low end and the mid and the top, you know, yeah. and and basically like 
not even mixing in key, mixing in kind of relative key, you know, like mm -hmm. exploring and making, mm -hmm. like doing relative key changes on the mixes. So you get these unusual sounding sounds and, you know, learning how to like, you know, mostly, you know, for me, it was like, I was always doing like maxing the kick, kick drum, but making it perfect, you know, like yeah. perfect and, yeah. you know, two kick drums in exactly the same key and, Mm -hmm. you know making the you know and kind of balancing the bass as it was coming out and doing it like a two minute mix and for me it, you know for me i kind of learned playing progressive house mm -hmm. um yeah I, I mean my my kids love to come into the studio when they hear music sure, in the back you know um but they kind of there's <clears throat> i just find on a cdj there's lots of distractions there's too many yeah. flashing buttons and you know and they do but also, you know, when I put my daughters had played some, um, I, I just walked out of a, a, a Cartier event with a Donna Summer mm -hmm. track that was so I got it back, put it on. And my daughter just wants to scratch away and not, yeah. you know, she's a yeah, yeah. little bit, you know, I don't know. My I, son's the same. Know, she's a little bit heavy handed. So. Of course. <laughs> no, my son's the same way. It's amazing that he hasn't broken <laughs> any of the gear yet, but it. But uh, but yeah, I bought a two channel mixer for him to learn to play around on because like, but all, although all he wants to do is the to use the effects, yeah, and just make crazy noises. I think there's some good software you can just buy on you know you know what DJ Pro on sure. Apple for twenty bucks or whatever it is, yeah. and just let him have a go on that on, yeah. a, on an old laptop and sure you know maybe you know I don't know if, I think yeah Technics is probably the best way get some old styluses on there mm -hmm. so that they can. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it's good. It's it'd be it'd be a. I always think for my son, it'd be a, just a fun way to grow up, playing birthday parties and whatever. Just yeah, having fun. You know? Yeah, yeah. My um, uh, I I went from kind of Saturday mornings in the record store doing mixes for the school bus journey, mm -hmm. where there was like captive audience of like fifty kids. Nice. We'd be on the back and we'd like send the tape down and the yeah. tape on. Um, and then I started doing all people's like how you know birthday parties at school and school discos and things like that from you know and so then cool. kind of went and then and then club yeah clubs and clubs that I would like always get ripped off by some promoter or you know of course. Like, hey man I'll give you fifty bring your friends and do this you'd play and then you'd come right. off and the headline you know it was just yeah, fun, you know course. back then it was you know it took a long time like it took a long long time to to figure out the business side of it sure but that's those probably probably good lessons in there yeah um so what's the goal now um well i live in la family man um you know um <clears throat> i'm kind of working on i've been put i put a song out with defected and azuli mm -hmm. um macy gray was the featuring artist on it like the stars in your eyes Music-wise, I've kind of got you know we've um, we've got kind of got a staggered release with Azuli and Defected. Um, we're putting the singles out on Azuli, and we're putting the um, 
the singles, re-releasing them on the uh, defected compilations, mm -hmm. defected in the house, defected in the beef, defected Miami. Um, I'm also kind of working on a side project of uh, more kind of this like 80s synth pop that I've, I haven't actually figured this the artist name, but I'll probably put it out under another mm. name. Yeah. Um, and I've been working with people like Macy Gray and Mr. Hudson and Boy George. Wow. Um, and some a lot of like kind of uh, uh, female writers who have got a good writing career. They're signed by Warners, but they're not actually singers. But yeah. they've got some really great songs. I'm not sure if they'll get re-sang by other artists or I'll, you know, I'd actually quite like to release them as is. Cool. Um, so on the on the music side, you know, there's kind of a, yeah, working on kind of like a pop project. Um, still very much into making house music. Mm -hmm. um, I've been making a load of like kind of deep, Burning Man inspired stuff Is that right? as well that yeah. you know. Um, so, so music wise, like kind of three avenues there that I feel quite you know feel quite confident about. Is um, the plan to move more into production, or is it, um, <clears throat> or is it both? Well, I mean, DJing's always been my bread and butter. You know, yeah. it's amazing that how much longer I've always spent doing production than actually DJing though. Mm -hmm. um, so just trying to fit. You know, balance. You know, uh, trying to be as proactive as possible. But you know, I also want to wake up when the kids get up. I want to eat breakfast with them. I want to take my two kids to school every day sure. when I'm, you know, yeah. the three or four days a week that I'm actually at home. Um, yeah. um, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if it really does. To be honest, I don't really think it helps my career that much. Um, I, it does like. Producing doesn't help your DJ career. I think I just have so many clients in the fashion world. Yeah, you they know, don't, they don't people care. like you know, if I'm hired to DJ for for you know Elon Musk or Karl Lagerfeld or yeah. Baz Luhrmann, and you know they don't listen to house music or you know they just want a guy who's you know you know who can play good music basically. Yeah. So um, I put out a song. I put out um, a song called Switch on Calvin Harris's. Mm -hmm. um, on his label, um, Fly Eye, um, and he played it quite a lot, and I think I got a lot of traction then, and almost like I was kind of doing a few festivals off the back of that. Um, I did a track with Aaron Paul that mm. um, called Dance, B-I-T-C-H, um, mm -hmm. that actually charted in the US, it charted on, uh, on iTunes. Then it definitely gave me some traction, but I just think there's people throwing so much music out on the internet, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you've really got to like you've either got to be like you know a Calvin Harris or a Vici or Chainsmokers, and really right kind of get you know get into that field. For me, sure. uh, I don't know if it's a sell. You know, I just really like making house, putting music out on Defected, and you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't really affect me that much. Maybe you know, maybe in three or four years it might if we consistently stick to one label. 
I've kind of always bounced between labels and um, you know, I, I, I started with Paul Oakenfold and Perfected mm -hmm. and Armada and then went to Flight Eye and now mm -hmm. with Defected. So, you know, we shall see. I think the smart people are the ones that just start their own label. Yeah. Know? Is that is that in the cards? Time management. I don't know. <laughs> it's almost like, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. But it's also kind of a bit risky and it takes a lot of time. You need to start hiring yeah. staff and, you know, um, yeah, it's quite different. I mean, it's just, yeah, I kind of like having a um, having someone who's you know defected of the you know one of the oldest and most prestigious yeah, house dance labels in the UK. Yeah, they have good uh, distribution and they're cool and they're easy to work with. So for me, I'm quite I'm quite happy. So if if um, you know, as you said, the the DJing is bread and butter, especially the, the corporate stuff, and the putting out music doesn't really help that much why do it uh just because i like doing it yeah yeah um i mean and i think that's an i you know i think doing like i said doing those fashion parties they, the clients don't they don't really care what sure. you know what you know, yeah they never I, heard of defective i i'm sure yeah of course i um love playing big big room gigs you know and i've played from you know i've done a I mean, I've played San Francisco Town mm -hmm. Hall to like 85,000 people, the West Hollywood Carnival to, yeah. you know, it's technically it's half a million people over over eight or nine city blocks. Crazy. But, you know, the main stage that I get to play, you know, I'm playing to a couple of hundred thousand people, I think. Um, it's fun, you know, mm -hmm. like playing festivals. And I think that you have to, I, I think if there was no, it definitely helps, you know, if there was no music out there. Sure, then, for the festivals, you know, I think you have to. Yeah, and I do, you know, and I do really enjoy, thoroughly enjoy doing it. So yeah. now I'm just kind of toying with, you know, um, with the sound, you know, and I think literally I'm probably going to come up with like, keep this art, my artist name the same. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to come up with new, two new artist names, start pumping out a lot more music and mm -hmm. see how that takes me. That's cool. You know, um, What's the best festival that we don't know about? Definitely not fire festival. <laughs> um, um, you know what? I mean, I went to, um, I don't know. I mean, Coachella for me, I went to the year two and I went back for, yeah. you know, I've been probably, I don't know, 12 times or, you know, a lot yeah, basically. Yeah, it's such an amazing festival, and I'm a huge fan of Palm Springs. I think mm -hmm. it's beautiful. It just grew a little bit too big, you know, from seeing it. Yeah. But, you know, my Massive. wife actually went the first year and then kind of didn't go back as much as I did. Um, um, there's so many, you know. I went, uh, yeah, I think my, you know, Coachella was definitely the easiest for us to get to because we live in L.A., sure. you know. Yeah. People fly from London and Sydney to go, and you know, yeah. A lot of people fly from New York to go to Coachella. I don't know, now it's getting a bit big. But, you know, I've seen them. I went to the first, you know, the first EDC in Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, that's just maybe too full on now, you know. Um, I went to the first um, Further Future Festival. Mm. And it was actually, it was, I went with Habitas. I was invited through those guys. And their hospitality they do is amazing. And uh, But it just was like... It, it's almost like two, you know, it's on a reservation in, you know, on the, mm -hmm. the first one was on the opposite side of the of, of 
Vegas. Right. So you kind of fly in or you could drive through and it was like another hour, you know, kind of on the north side. Um, but it was just almost like a bit like trying too hard to be like Burning Man, like making it, yeah. basically driving as far as you could possibly sure. do it. I think there's a lot of you that. Know, and then right. if it wasn't for the Habitat guys, I would have been, you know, like yeah. I stayed in this amazing teepee and air conditioned. We ate, you know, s you know, grilled salmon and, you know, couscous and uh -huh. amazing salads and drank great wine. And, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's such beautiful in california the, the you know the countryside's amazing and yeah like coachella there's so many polo fields in california you know it's like sure why does it have to be in palm spring you know so i mean um, i i've you know i've been i think 15 times out of yeah 18 or whatever and every year i find myself looking up at the palm trees and the mountains and the stages and the ferris wheel and just like i'm blown away yeah again yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, every, no, I mean, it's, ama it's amazing what they've done. They've been, you know, you know, it's obviously been a slow build. and, mm. um, But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, um, I'm, at the moment, everyone seems to be on uh, lightning in a bottle, mm -hmm. and I'm kind of looking on that, and uh, to me, I don't know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, and that kind of gets me around to it, and that, this is how, you know, the we, how, you know, the, the festival in Punta Mita was born. Mm -hmm. um, I just, you know, I... I've lived in LA now for 16 years, um, and I, you know, I maybe you know not that probably about 10 years ago I kind of um, started going down there to um, to DJ at a wedding, and then mm -hmm. there's surf in Punta Mita. There's like amazing surf, you know. Yeah. There's yeah, great tennis. There's golf, and there, you know, um, and I, you know, as I got older, I was always, you know, I kind of play for all these brands and you know I've got some amazing clients and they're always you know I mean I literally I just I just stayed at the Jerome all weekend DJing in Aspen and I was staying at the St. Regis in Mexico City playing for Cartier and you know mm -hmm. the like you know I'm, I, thanks to you know very luckily like I've got to see the whole world but for me one of my literally one of my favorite places um, is Punta Mita you got five flights leaving every morning from LAX. Yeah. Um, you know, Delta, American, cheap, Southwest options, mm -hmm. cheap, you know, cheap, like cheap options. Sure. You can get down there between 80 and, you know, 80 and 250 bucks yeah. each way. Wow. Um, and yeah, I just kind of found this little gem and that I think there's some, you know, some notables that you'll see in the press sometimes that have got houses in mm -hmm. Puerto Vallarta. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, you land at Puerto Vallarta, it's a two hour, 50, two hour, 50 minute flight. Um, and then wherever you go, you know, for me, I kind of prefer Punta Mita because it's got the Four Seasons and the St. Regis on the same mm -hmm. complex. Mm -hmm. um, there's 16 um, apartment complexes behind the gates. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, you know, my my uh, my business partner and I basically have, he's a big tennis player and he's been going down there for a long time. Oh, yeah. I started going down there from like, you know, doing, I, I actually, did uh, like a few private parties and then, you know, went down there for surfing and played Sam Nazarian's wedding down mm. there at the, at the Four Seasons. It was amazing. And um, just always thought like everything is so luxurious down there. It's so beautiful. It's got, yeah. it's not all, you know, like if you want the resort thing, if you like driving around on the golf course, you know, eating, you know, Michelin star food, then stay at the, you know, stay at the St. Regis. Mm -hmm. 
the town is great. It's beautiful. It's got you know the downtown. It's got surf shops and mm. you know you know it's got all the it's a little bit touristy, but it's still small. Um, and uh, you know we just loved it down there, but always thought that there was just no at ten o'clock at night. Yeah, closes, nothing going on. Nothing, sure. but it's kind yeah. of got this like got this amazing feeling that it must have what it must have been like going to you know going to Ibiza in the 80s when it was just mm -hmm. dead yeah um so you know we kind of we made friends with the St. Regis um the the uh the rates it's technically low season yeah but the weather for uh, you know the raw fest is basically the um the the indigenous word for flowing water mm -hmm. you know um so we booked all of our favorite DJs, um, Clapton and Dimitri from Vegas. Purple Disco Machine, Cats wow. and Dogs, you know? Great. So it's like sexy house music, yeah. which goes, um, and we did a deal with, right, uh, we very quickly kind of overgrew out of the Four Seasons um, or doing it downtown Punta Mita. So, so we're next door. Um, there's a very kind of luxurious um, yacht club, um, and it happens to have five helipads that come out on the peninsula, yeah. so, you know, completely surrounded by the sea. Yeah. Um, and then there's a four-star resort, all-inclusive, that kids can basically, they can book rooms there for $99 each, oh, no two way. to a room, yeah. drink as much and eat as much all day. Brilliant. Um, and then for that, for my crowd, I think we, we basically booked out the St. Regis. Mm -hmm. Then now the overflow is going to the, we're a month away, so the overflow is now going to the Four Seasons, which is actually one of my favorite hotels as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and it basically, you know, we went for it and we paid the, you know, we've basically... Uh, we had some help from, you know, agencies here mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. just going back on the fire festival, we've paid all the artists. Sure. We're putting them all up. Um, you know, I've got an amazing sound system coming in from Guadalajara. Um, cool. Mexicans is high tech stuff. Yeah. You know, they've got yeah. it's a very, you know, I just played the Cartier event in uh, um, in Mexico City and the sound system and the tech there mm -hmm. was amazing. The hotel was great. They got their shit together on sound systems. You mm -hmm. know, we've got this huge, you know, big LED, you know, lot of LED. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, amazing, um, amazing stage. I mean, that sounds amazing. So, yeah, so we're going, we're going for it. And there's, you know, there's tons of places for people to stay. The flights are pretty cheap still. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we're going for it. That's great. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Much more my speed than uh, Burning Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's one of the, it's for people like me who leave everything to the last minute. All you got to yeah. do is just get on the plane. Love it. You know, there's so many options to you know. Uh, we're doing like um, we're doing a pre-party in this. There's an amazing little restaurant on the beach. They just built a big deck. Mm. So it's you know it's literally like you're dancing on a tiny little beach on a deck with palm trees, looking at the moon, the stars. It's so wow. you know. 
That's killer. And they're good, and the owners they get it, and they want you know it's like it's low season for them, and it's just amazing that yeah, it's beautiful down there. It's like I come from England. It's you know like sure. I I I played a whole season with Calvin Harris in Vegas at Wet Republic. It was a hundred to one hundred and twenty degrees. Yeah. Down there, it's like in the desert. You know, yeah. down there, it's like it's going to be ninety degrees. Yeah. It's eighties at the moment. It could hit nineties, maybe a little bit more, but. You've got golf carts. There's water. You can do, yeah, yeah. and they let, you know, you can, you know, you know, you can, every, um, if you stay at the resort, you get, you you can get golf carted around. If Mm -hmm. you rent, um, if you go onto VBO or Airbnb, there's like, there's basically 16 complexes where you can rent these like luxurious kind of, you know, condo buildings. They all come with golf carts. So these, you can just go down there and just fill it, you know, six, eight people on a golf cart, fill it up with beer. Drive down, you know, then the fact we're doing pre parties and post parties there. Oh, that's great. Um, you know, and then when the festival, the festival is on the Friday and the Saturday on June 30th and July 1st, mm. um, you, you, it's out the gate. So you bet probably you just shuttle down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, for me, it's paradise. You know, it's like we just added the, the one thing that it was always missing. Um, so, you know, everything, yeah. we're all in, we're paid, everything's covered. You know, now we just, uh, you know, need to kind of put the word out to some VIPs and. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm, uh, I'm going to be traveling, but I'm going to come next year. That's, uh, so make sure you do it again. That, we, we will. That's this like, is the first one of many. That sounds like perfect to me. Um, so, but when the, when the fire Festival thing blew up, did that, what were your calls like the next day? Like, did, did you have to, did that affect what you're doing? Um. I mean, it's very, very, very different situation. And, you know, we definitely, we, um, they kind of, you know, it's not easy to go to an island, you know, no. do what they wanted to do, especially, you know, and they ran into, you know, legal financial problems or whatever. And then they obviously came in, you know, the, the, you know, the icing on the cake was that they had weather problems, you know, right. when they finally did start sure. building. Um, for us, it's kind of everything's been, you know, we're very cautious, and it's taken us a long time to build it. Um, the, you know, like I said, the we're getting so much support from the artists because they feel like they're being taken care of. We're putting them up in a five-star resort. Yeah. You know, um, the the yacht club is amazing. You know, the artists get served dinner in this beautiful platform area, looking over the marina. They get golf cart to the stage. The stage's great. The sound is great. Mm-hmm. Um. um we we actually the reason we found the space there's never been a music venue there's never been a, a musical festival or anything at the space um, because Pontemita is so quiet and it's yes. you know it's just a touristy place but um, they had a political um, event there for six thousand people oh wow so and they pull you know and we're basically yeah. using the same kind of in you know their their production house and the boatmaster the guy that owns the the yacht club is you know is very much a part of the festival and mm-hmm. he's been helping us out a lot so you know i don't really think that you know the weather <laughs> sure you can get a little bit of rain you know we're putting kind of half covers up over the stage yeah. um full cover over the stage actually half covers up over the vip area mm-hmm. um you know we could there uh, we could get you know we could get 10 20 minute showers it's not gonna i think rain, it's fine you know? i mean i've been to tulum yeah and the, it's raining in the festival and it's yeah it's fine so you know yeah yeah so yeah. i think you know everything we seems like you know we've um that's great yeah we've looked at try to you know we're trying to look at everything you never know but um 
but yeah, and we just, you know, we're not in it to make money either. We're doing it because we, you know, we love Punta Mita yeah. and we love music, you know, and it's so cool. like, you know, and we, we were lucky that we, um, you know, we put, um, we, ba you know, we, we put um, some early bird, um, we announced the lineup in, in Mexico mm -hmm. um, and we basically sold a thousand tickets in Guadalajara like that, you know, fantastic for like an early bird special. And we pulled it. Nice. You know, it looks like we've got a really nice kind of, you know, we've got these, you know, we've got like really cool, like kind of, you know, uh, we've got some, you know, Mexico City people coming in too, but we've got like cool hipsters mm -hmm. coming in, you know, like, you know, to kind of GA to fill, fill the floor and, yeah. you know, and then it'll be like a really interesting mix of, um, but online sales are like people from, you know, Chicago and Seattle and San Francisco and San Diego are buying tickets now because it's di nice. got direct flights. And then That's we'll have, great. you know, like a mixture of really nice, like kind of LA VIP. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thing so it should be cool you know we're not we're not trying to you know all together if we get three or four thousand people through the door for each day then we're yeah. super happy you know love it but so how do people get tickets um rawfest.com r-h-a-f-e-s-t.com mm -hmm. nice you know, we're just excited and we want people to we want it to be fun and we want people to get down there and if people you know we you know we literally are just trying to cover costs for some of the production, we're yeah. definitely, you know, we're, we're, you know, we know we're going to lose money, but, you know, who cares, you know? Yeah, you'll get there. Um, that's but, that's awesome. Well, I have a, a little lightning round that I want to do before they kick us out. Um, but, but but I have one last question before we get to that. I saw on your website um, you do some, some meditation. Um, is that... Uh, I actually wake up every morning and I just do 10 minutes of headspace. Yeah, me too. Um, and, I, and it's a game changer for me. Love it. And it's just, and just with, with uh, I find that it just connects everything and makes me a better person, a better dad, a better producer. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not sure, you know, it's amazing. And my, um, you know, I was born Zen, born vegetarian, you mm -hmm. know, my mother and father were forward thinkers and hippies. Um, and I always kind of backed away from everything. And I used to kind of walk in from school at 11 with football boots and my buddy and my mum would be like in a yoga position in the living room and I'd be like so embarrassed. We're like, oh no, mom. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it so, comes back around. Yeah, it comes yeah, back yeah. around. And I just found um, when I was, um, we had the kids and I was juggling. I was literally like, at one, I was playing in Vegas every weekend, but then doing all these tours and playing all the time in New York and I mm -hmm. just got frazzled and, I wasn't really thinking very clearly and I just found that, you know, literally like the most basic form of meditation just was a game changer, you yeah. know. Yeah. Also like reading kind of some self-help books about, you know, Tim Ferriss, mm -hmm. you know, Tools for Titans and, mm -hmm. you know, and four-hour workout, four-hour um, uh, four work week as well, you know, has been uh, very, very helpful for a guy like me who's yeah. completely self-employed. And, sure. you know, I have, you know... Um, I have a lot of music supervision that I didn't really talk about before, but you know, there's, um, I always have to do mixes and, mm -hmm. and, um, remote in and, you know, I've, I've been doing all this stuff for Cartier the last couple of weeks, as well as doing, I'm doing, um, um, there's a, um, Louis Trez has a 100 year aging process. Yeah. Um, so we've been doing zen freeman's mastery of time mixes where oh no way. you go and you enjoy like a you know like a dinner with the um you know with the cellar master from louis trez who's probably gonna he's only gonna make 
maybe 20 or 30 years of the, mm-hmm. of the bottle. You mm-hmm. know? So the mix, when you start eating dinner, it starts off with like the first ever pop jazz song made in, nine, you know, that was produced in 1917. Wow. And then the mix kind of go, and I kind of check, you know, I mix on two channels, at, you know, quite analogy. And then as you get into the 70s, the disco, you know, obviously the 50s and 60s, 70s, like the disco comes in, I start mixing, and then it goes through, and, you know, there's like 90s R&B. Into the, so, so cool. So stuff like that for me is, um, yeah, there's, I don't know, I spend a ton of time actually like in the studio in the daytime. So that with gigs and touring and kids, I just needed to kind of try and center myself. I love it. That's great. Um, okay, so if you can go back and give uh, one piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, what would you say? Everything. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> the fun thing about what happened to me is I never really uh, was that, ambitious or premeditated and I just found myself in a situation where I completely love what I do for a living yeah and I've got the best wife and the best kids and you know super happy but it was now you know it was all quite organic um yeah I think um if um I you know I don't know I think if I'd understood the before it was always a hobby music Maybe if, you know, it is a business, you know, it's yeah. a cutthroat biz. You know, the music business is just the second you go into the commercial side of releasing music. Of course. It is what it is. Maybe, you know, it took me a while to kind of figure that out and understand that. Maybe yeah. I would have kind of given myself some, you know, I should have read up on music business a little bit more than mm. I did. But, um, but yeah, you know, to, I mean, to fair enough. But yeah, to answer then part of why I like what I do so much is because it all happened so organically. Yeah. Is there... um another talent that you've always wished you'd had more of um what's something that i'm better at something you wish you were better at um yeah i think so um i mean i was a good athlete and i was super happy with that i think i kind of was always really interested in in the arts and and you know, playing musical instruments and dance and, you know, I used to kind of do a lot of gymnastics and I was actually quite good at that. So maybe, yeah. I don't know, but, um, yeah, I mean, I wish I'd kind of maybe studied long and gone more into like the arts as mm. opposed to like going into the, you know, the side of the, you know, what, what I ended up going into. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I really wish that I was, um, I wish I was, I could, you know, play piano and, and, uh, and play guitar. Oh yeah. You know, nice. What um so if I if I worked for you if I was on your team, what's something I would hear you say over and over? <laughs> morning, morning, evening. Um, uh, <laughs> it's funny now with with um with technology now. It's like the team is kind of a lot more remote sure. than you know. Yeah. But it's interesting how you can get a lot of stuff done just by having a good you know good guy on PR and a good, you know, a good mm-hmm. agent, a good manager, and then someone that does, you know, helps with, you know, social media and, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I have a very, uh, very humble office at home, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty proactive. Yeah. Who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of yours? Hmm. Um... It's funny how um, 
um, you, I don't know, you kind of never really, you always kind of think you're, you're faking it till you make it, mm -hmm. you know, and then, but I mean, I don't know, I, I, I've been really kind of quite proud when people that I've, you know, people that I've really looked up to and um, have asked for my advice about stuff, you know, which mm -hmm. I think is, um, and that's been, you know, like, I mean, I had dinner with Pete Tong a few weeks ago and he kind of asked me, he was, um, he asked me some advice about um, songs that kind of broke, mm. EDM broke in America because he wasn't obviously here as much yeah. as I was and, yeah. you know, he has the, the orchestra uh, tour that he does. So he kind of asked me some adv advice on that and I just thought like, I mean, this is the guy that, That's it's weird cool. how it, you know, full yeah. circle, it kind of, you know, this is probably the guy why I actually started buying records, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and wanted to DJ, so. That's awesome. What's your favorite city to travel to? Um, um, oh God, there's so many. Um, I mean, to be honest, I love getting booked. When I get booked to play in London, it's so great because I get to go back and see the family. Yeah. And, I bet. Um, I mean, it did, you know, I just got booked to play a gig in Melbourne, but in August. So mm. it's like, it's, um, it's not the best time. It's the pretty right, it's the coldest winter. part, yeah. you know, but it is a great city and I do love Sydney. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, anything in, if I get booked to play in Italy, I'm always super happy, especially if it's summer and it's anything to do with the Amalfi coast or, sure. you know, Barcelona would yeah. be amazing. Um, um, one of my favorite places in the world is, um, I got booked to play at um, uh, the uh, Aminara Resort mm -hmm. in Turks and Caicos. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, sometimes it's like the opposite of a city for me because I'm so crazy. Sometimes like when I get booked to go to like an island or something, it's amazing. Yeah. Okay, last thing, we're out of time. Favorite DJ? Um, oh God, at the moment, who is it? Favorite show, favorite DJ. Sure. I mean, at the moment, like I'm kind of digging. Like I, I played uh, um, um, last year. I played at White Ocean um, at Burning Man, and Bob Moses just played a live show in like a dust storm. But cool. I mean, there, you know, the, the, the he actually one of them was DJing, and you know, and uh, Tom was playing guitar and singing. But they blew like they had such a good turnout they, nice. they blew me away you know like and I, i'm kind of loving like rufus at the moment as oh, well cool. like that kind of thing i don't know it's yeah. fine you know i mean i love guy at the moment i was um you know i i, I love i supported calvin harris for like, over a year at hackersan yeah it was amazing just to see that reaction that when you make the song and you yeah. play it you get that kind of reaction that you know is amazing to see and then and now I'm, I'm at XS and I play a lot I support the Chainsmokers and man those guys are popular you know? yeah absolutely you know. Zen thanks for doing this man I appreciate you being here thank you thank um, for having I'm me. bummed I'm gonna miss the festival next but year. Uh, next year next year absolutely and, and we'll do what we can to, to support it and come back I'd love to hear after the festival how it goes yeah, um, thank you thank you awesome. for me. yeah yeah, that was Zen Freeman on Rebel Radio. Great interview. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, leave us a comment. You can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or Twitter or Facebook or YouTube. Pretty much anywhere you look, we're at Rebel Radio Net. Uh, leave us a comment, a review. Tell us what you like, what you want to hear next, all that good stuff. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.